Are you amazed when people drive their vehicles for over 250,000 miles? How often should you change your engine oil? What techniques can improve your mileage? Would an expensive fuel injection cleaning improve your engine performance? This is Car Guy with Brett Beechler of Beechler's Vehicle Care and Repair. Find out how to substantially reduce your cost per mile and extend the longevity of your vehicles. Welcome to Car Guy with Brett Beechler on PeoriaLife.com. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again on The Car Guy with Brett Beetzler. My name is Greg McCoy. How are you doing, Brett? Fantastic, Greg. How are you doing? Doing great. Happy to be here on The Car Guy with PeoriaLife.com. Today we're going to talk about tires. Yeah, it seems, well, seems kind of simple, but there's a lot of specs to tires and information that people might learn a mm-hmm. snidbit or two from. Where the rubber meets the road. Huh? That's exactly right. The only right. thing that meets the road, or the only thing that should meet the road. <laughs> Under normal circumstances, ideally, that's yes, true. Yes, that is correct. All right, well, let's talk about tires. Okay, first, DOT number. Everybody's all dialed in on DOT number. I'm just kidding. Nobody really pays attention to DOT number. Um, tires have an 8 to 12-digit uh, piece of information on the side of the tire. That's a Department of Transportation. Identifies a tire. Um, it's written in Chinese. Well, kind of, but it's really not. <laughs> um, just a bunch of digits, um, but all tires need to be registered when they're purchased uh, because what happens is if something has gone wrong with the manufacturing of that tire, just like cars, just like anything, customers need to be contacted uh, to be able to tell them that, hey, there's an issue with this tire. Um, we need to recall these. Um, you know, it's interesting though, you don't see that very often anymore in tires. It used to be quite often you'd see recalls on tires but it really they have really mastered the art of the manufacturing process and reduced the defects in tires quite a bit yeah i remember was it firestone yeah well, that terrible problem way back in firestone had that problem but it really wasn't a firestone problem and we don't sell firestones i'm not a big proponent of firestone tires but that wasn't their fault that was more ford engineers um, dictating that the tire pressure in the tires should be a 26 which is pretty darn low and that increases heat problems, and that increases problems with tires coming apart. Um, so Firestone took the hit for them because they're such a large uh, customer of theirs. But it, technically speaking, it was really Ford's fault. They should have they should have specified at least thirty pounds in those tires, but they they did not. They were trying to make the ride as best they could. So anyway, a little sidebar there. Um, on that DOT number, uh, interestingly enough, the last four digits. It's a little tidbit people might want to know the last four digits indicate the week and the year the tire was built and we'll talk about tire age a little bit later in the show um, but the week and the tire so if you get the last four digits are 5107 first two numbers identify and identify the week it was uh, manufactured so the 51st week so the last second to last week of december and the second two digits let's call it a 07 it was manufactured in 2007 so pretty simple uh, pretty simple way of looking at it so Next thing we'll talk about is tread depth. Um, We talk this game all day long with our customers um, because people's heads want to wrap around tires. You know, some people want to kick the tires. Some people want to uh, do certain things, but there are simple ways. And I'll teach people the simple ways of measuring tread depth if you don't have a tread depth gauge. But generally speaking, tires start brand new at 10 to 11, 30 seconds of an inch. Something to remember. Okay. Um, Minimum by law is 230 seconds. Uh, there are some readings that I've researched that I've found that they've 
increase that to 330 seconds of an inch. So you haven't converted this stuff over to metric yet, huh? We have not because, and I'm a metric guy, I really enjoy metric measurements, um, but the catch is our industry uses English system, unfortunately, and this is what we talk all day long, and it resonates more with the American society, unfortunately, and we're probably one of the very few in the world that uses the English system, and everybody else uses a metric system, much simpler, I think, the metric system is, but um, neither here nor there. So, 230 seconds, if you don't have a tread depth gauge, if you take a penny, most everybody knows this, but you take a penny, you put it inside the tread with the head down. If that tread is at the bottom of his, or at the top of his head, that's 230 seconds of an inch. So there's your minimum tread depth, okay? Most of the time, we encourage folks to go three to four seconds, 30 seconds of replacing tires. Um, anecdotally, I've traveled in heavy rain on 430 seconds of tread in, you know, minivan type tires. So they're not super wide. They're not... Um, super skinny. They're about average for the uh, tire size. And I got up and uh, hopped into the next lane because I hydroplaned on 430 seconds. It was yeah. not a fun feeling. Um, you know, I, I remained fairly calm. I was going 70 miles an hour, uh, but it was certainly not an exciting feeling. So that kind of put the seed inside of my head that went, okay, <laughs> you know, tell, make sure you tell folks that, you know, you can push it to 330 seconds, dry conditions, you're okay, but you're out there on the interstate at 70 miles an hour and it starts raining. Most tires are going to hydroplane so uh, if you the, get heavy rain. So the problem in, in going too far and getting the tread too thin is a matter of traction. Absolutely. It's not a matter of, say, having increased probability of blowout or anything like that. Not necessarily. There is a slight increase of a tire going faulty, but it, it's all about traction. It is all about traction because, you know, let's face it, race car tires, do you see tread on them? There's no tread unless they're racing in, you know, F1s are racing in rainy conditions, but... They want as much rubber on the road as they possibly can, but they're in dry conditions. That's what they're racing in. So uh, we want to be able to dissipate that water because water, as we all know, does not compress. Um, and it has to be funneled out of the tire. So therefore, the more tread depth, the better. And that's the other point with respect to traction is the problem becomes rainy conditions or snowy conditions. On dry, dry yes. pavement, it's no big deal. Dry pavement, it's not a big deal at all. Yeah. It's all about rain and snow and ice. That's really what it's about. Um Top of Washington's head on a quarter is 4.30 seconds. Hmm. Kind of cool to know. I've never done it myself. I didn't know that. I knew I've the always, penny, but I didn't know Everybody the knows the penny, but um, the quarter deal, not many people know that. And then the second one, some people get into replacing their tires at 5 to 6.30 seconds. Um, most people are trying to get their money's worth, but some people just want really good traction all the time. Uh, the top of the Lincoln Memorial on a penny is actually 6.30 seconds. So interesting information. You know, that's just one of those situations where penny-wise, pound-foolish, you know, you're trying to get your extra few miles out of your mm -hmm. tire, but you're taking a higher risk yeah. uh, in a rainy condition. Yeah, so the, is the it risk, worth it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The risk, risk, risk starts transitioning. You're absolutely right. So, um, But any reputable shop is going to have a tread depth gauge. They're going to give you tread depth readings and present them to you. So I tell this to people in case they're do-it-yourselfers or they want to know themselves. So, okay. Um, the next one, this is always an interesting one. It's a little bit confusing. Uh, we're going to talk about tire dimensions. Okay. There's generally three numbers on the side of a tire four actually. And we'll talk about the, uh, the fourth a little bit later, but the first three typically start with the letter P as in Paul or LT as in light truck. That's what they stand for. Okay. And then there are a set of numbers and one letter in between those 
Um, and here's what they stand for. So the first number, let's take a tire, a, two, a P225, P standing for a passenger tire, a P225, 65R17. Uh, the 225 stands for the width section of the tire in millimeters. So interestingly, inter interestingly, tire sizes have a combination of English and metric in them. Mm. Okay. And it's all about global standards. That's the whole point behind it. Um, they're trying to meet the needs of everybody around the, around the globe. So the first number is in metric. And that depicts the, the width of the tire in millimeters. Mm. Okay. The second number is what they call an aspect ratio or profile. Okay, so the 225 is the first number. 65 in this particular size, I think it meets the need of um, actually quite a few cars because we keep this tire in stock. Um, the second number is aspect ratio and that represents the ratio of the sidewall section height to the section width. Okay, <laughs> so basically what goes on this number and let's put it in layman's terms, as this number as aspect ratio becomes smaller, your sidewall typically gets shorter. Okay, if that makes sense. And the and the tire typically begets, becomes wider. That first number will get bigger typically when the, the aspect ratio is smaller. So if you have like a 245, 35, 17, typically it's a performance tire. It's got a very wide footprint. But the catch is with the wider the footprint you go, the worse it is in rain and snow, especially snow, because that tire will typically float on the snow as opposed to getting its pounds per square inch down in a very much smaller area. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the smaller that number, that aspect ratio, typically the more expensive the tires are going to be. Mm -hmm. So I tell this to people because when they go to buy a car and the car has got a 30, 35, 40, 45 aspect ratio, you can almost guarantee that that tire is going to be minimum of six to 800, sometimes many times over a thousand dollars for a set of those tires. Wow. So the reason I tell people this is I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in the door and go, I didn't know I had a 45 series tire in my car. <laughs> and it's pretty basic knowledge and I'm not trying to demean anybody at all, but you, you should know that when you buy the car period, because it's one of those basics that you're going to have to be involved with buying two, three, four, five sets of tires throughout the life of this car. And people should know that information. So enough of that. Mm -hmm. uh, the third number is real simple. It's the diameter of the wheel in inches, period. So you start with metric, then you got an aspect ratio, mm. and then you end with English. So mm. why they do that is just a compromise as, as far as I can, I can tell from my research. Wow. Okay. So next section, we're going to talk about spare tires very quickly. Did you know, Greg, that antique cars, older cars... When they first started, used to have at least two spare tires, if not more. I did not know that. That was before the roads got really good. I didn't. I didn't know that either. I found this in my research, and I go, "Huh, that's kind of interesting." Did they also come with a tire repair kit? I, I would presume. <laughs> I would presume that you had an onboard repair kit way back when mm -hmm. when you first came into the world, mm -hmm. or when they first came into existence. So, mm -hmm. um, just little tidbit. I thought everybody'd be interested about that. Mm -hmm. um, most vehicles nowadays are equipped with what they call compact spares. The only reason they do that is weight. And, and space saving. The donuts. Period. The donuts. People, you know, short-term donuts. Now, can most cars, <clears throat> either when you buy them brand new or aftermarket, can you get a full-size spare? You can. You, you can definitely get a full-size spare. We've had a handful of customers that have requested that. Um, the catch is you lose your trunk space to a certain degree. But you're right. It is nice to have a full-size spare. And you, the other positive of that is you can rotate that in 
during rotations and get a little bit more life out of the tires. So um, many spare tires, you inflate those to 60 pounds, six zero. Okay, so make sure you look at the sidewall of your tire. Some of them vary a little bit, but most of them are 60 pounds. And I always, I always encourage people to check this once a year because we find a lot of spare tires that are flat, okay? You don't want to be on the side of the road changing this flat tire with another flat tire. It's just not going to work. You get to call it a tow truck. Um, most of them have a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit, and many of them have a 500-mile driving limit, and then you got to replace it. So mm. I, I occasionally see people driving around, and they have their spare tire on, and the tread's completely worn. I, I wish they would change it because those spare tires are typically not inexpensive. They're anywhere between $75 and $125 to purchase so the spare, spare tire, tire and rim. You're talking about the donuts? The donuts. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That is absolutely correct. A full-size so. spare tire is just a tire, right? I mean, it's not anything special. Yes. It's just a tire. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So um, one more really interesting point on when you change a spare tire. If you've got a front-wheel drive car, okay, that the diameter of that tire is going to be different than your regular tire that's on the car. So what happens is you're driving down the road and one one tire, the normal size tires may go 800 revolutions per mile. The other side, the spare, may go 850, 800, 870. It's okay temporarily to do that, but long term, and this is why I tell people to change, get their tires changed as quickly as they can if they got a flat and they got the spare in their car, it can actually damage the driveline because of the different revolutions that are turning going down the road. So um, don't keep it permanently. I've seen people keep those things on for months at a time, and it's it's not good for the transmission long-term on front-wheel drive cars. Mm -hmm. um, same thing for the rear-wheel drive. If you got, you know, different circumferences of tires back there, it's not good. You know, all-wheel drive tire, all-wheel drive vehicles, the owner's manual specifies to folks don't replace tires in twos. They always have to replace tires in a set of four because... They, they are so um, scrupulous about this that they don't want the dimensions of the tire being different. You know, you might have one with two thirty seconds on one position and 10 30 seconds on the other position, and you've got driveline, potential driveline failure with an all-wheel drive car. So. so in that situation, if you're driving down the road and you run over something, a piece of metal or something destroys one tire, mm -hmm. you have to replace all four? In an ideal world, you should replace all four. It depends wow. upon the difference of the tread, but they, they specify you, you can damage our tra your transmission. Um, because of that. So anyway, good little that. piece yeah. of information people should know. Yeah. Okay. Next, next, um, topic, tire pull condition. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come into our business and they say, Hey, I got a pull and I need an alignment. Well, typically speaking, nine times out of 10, um, alignments, uh, are not the cause of the pull nine out of 10 times or more. It's a tire causing a pull condition. So the point being is don't go into your shop and have them spend money on alignment, and then you drive out the door and you still got a pull problem, tell them I want the pull problem determined. Now, an alignment might be an indirect cause of this, um, so you may need to have your alignment inspected, but pull problems typically are caused by tires. There is a procedure to basically isolate which one or more of the tires that is causing a pull problem. Typically what our guys do is they, they swap left to right, right to left in the front positions. If the pull follows and they start doing the swap from the front to rear, and basically, they got a deductive process they go through to determine which of the tires is causing the pull problem. Typically speaking, um, anybody doing four-tire replacement to correct a pull problem, is, that's not really the correct way to do it because one or one or two are generally the cause of the problem. So okay. theoretically, mm -hmm. if a person had a pull problem, 
they if they wanted to put in the time and the effort, they could switch around their tires. Yeah, they could do it themselves. See if the absolutely followed. The- absolutely, there are uh, there's information on the web that tells you what to do in terms of where to take it. And but to me, it's kind of a pain trying to do that without a hoist. Yes, and a jack only. <laughs> so, um, so there's two types of pulls. There's one right from the manufacturer. Um, this is an interesting term I came came up with. It's called conicity. Basically, what happens is when... You, you invented this? I did not invent this, no. No, it's a technical term uh, dealing with uh, the problem with the tires. Um, what happens is in the manufacturing process, they're cured slightly cone-shaped. You can't see it with the naked eye, um, but when all these things come together in the factory, um, it's literally a cone shape that takes place that can cause a, a pull problem. They call it conicity. Mm. So you can go home to your wife or your husband and say, I learned a new word today, conicity. Mm. Um, anyway, so the second type of pull problem is generally caused by the road conditions your tires are driving through. So I've had customers that you know buy brand new tires from us and 20,000 miles down the road, they go, hey, I got a pull problem. They want to blame it on the tire. And we go through the deductive process. But the bottom line is the roads around here are not that great. I don't pick on the city or the state for them. It's just the conditions that we're in. We've talked about it on previous radio shows. Um, we have a lot of potholes. That's all there is to it. We're in a different climate and this stuff's going to happen. So with that stated, it can be hard on suspension, steering, and tires on cars. So typically speaking, pull problems are caused by the, the roads around here and hitting all the potholes that are that are out there. So um, just buyer beware on that that type of information on the tires. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. If this happens, you need to get, you do need, you know, if you got a pull problem caused by one of the tires, it could be caused by what they call a cross camber, cross caster, and or a thrust angle setting on the alignment. This is basically, we're talking about the geometry of the wheels and the suspension in the front end. So um, that would need to be, of course, inspected with a good piece of equipment at a good shop. So they'll have that. So one of the takeaways here is if you have a pull problem, you shouldn't take it into the shop and say, please align my car or, or whatever. You should say, Correct. don't, don't, you shouldn't walk in and tell them what the specific problem is. Yes. You should walk in and say, here's my symptom. Here's my symptom. That's exactly what you should do. Um, we're trained because our flags go up. Somebody walks in the door. They say, hey, I need alignment. Our first question back to them is, hey, why do you think you need alignment? Well, I just replaced tie rod ends and I need an alignment. Okay. Then that's in that case, yes, you need alignment. I'm telling you, most of the time they say, I got a pull problem. And their brains are, somehow the, the average consumer is just trained to think, hey, I got a pull problem. I need to get alignment. So, next one. This is really interesting. Hmm. Speed rating. Oh, I shouldn't say interesting. Some people, it's not that interesting. <laughs> but speed rating. Um, do you lay awake at night thinking no, about speed I ratings? No, I, I do not. Because, you know, I love performance cars. But to me, I just see big money rolling out the door on performance cars. So there's a whole bunch of different speed ratings and load indexes. So the, the load index basically is how much weight that tire can hold. It's pretty simple. Um, there, the, it goes, there's a numbering system that goes all the way from 71 to 110. 71 means that tire can hold 761 pounds. 110, I don't know how this translates. That one tire can hold 2,337 pounds. So multiply that, you got about a 9,000 pound capacity on the on the one vehicle. So, um, and then dualies, obviously, there's even more uh, because you're adding almost 5,000 more pounds of, of load capacity. So 71 to 110, 760 pounds to 2,337 pounds. Okay. Um, this is actually on the tire. So you can see this load index rating. Um, that's the 87 after the tire, or that's the number after the tire size. Okay. So it'll be a number of, ti- uh, numbers together 
you know, that thing we just talked about, the P22565R17. And then there's a number after that, and that indicates the load, uh, the load uh, uh, index on the tire. Next one, speed rating. Okay, that comes after the load index. So it's really simple. Speed ratings go all the way from L to Y. And tires go from 75 miles an hour to 186 miles an hour. Um, believe it or not, we've sold a few of these high-speed tires like that. Why we're selling them sometimes, I don't know. But, hey, maybe people are going to the track and, and, and doing this. The only stipulation is Z tires. You don't ask. You just put them on. I just put them on. We just put them on, yes. Uh, the only difference is Z-rated tires absolutely have no speed rating. So they're not going to stand behind if you go, you know, 220 miles an hour in your car and your tire f flies apart. You can't go back in the manufacturer and say, hey, I want 220. These are rated for, uh, you know, 230. Give me my money back. They're not going to do that. So Z rating. Wouldn't you be dead if that happened? Maybe so. Maybe so. Depends maybe, on maybe how. Maybe your estate would go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm still struggling back in the load index. Yes. Uh, you said a car might have an 87S after the. You know, a series of numbers. Correct. And the 87 was the load index. And then you said 71 equals 761 pounds. Where'd the 71 come from? Uh, the 71, I'm sorry, there's a big range in there. 87 falls in the middle. I think it's somewhere around like oh, that's a 1,300 okay. pounds. Sorry, I missed um, that. But the, the, the range starts at 71, hits the 87, of course, and it goes all the way up to 110. Okay, I, see. Sense. I missed that, okay. sorry. Okay, next one. If installing only a pair of tires on a front-wheel drive car, where do you think you'd put them? Two brand-new tires. Where do you think you'd put them? Common Sense would tell you. On the front. Okay. We used to think that two years ago, but when we started doing research, you actually are supposed to put them on the rear position. Okay? So if your shop is trying to put them on the front, tell them, hey, that's not correct. The reason behind this, here's the reason. Okay? It is better to have the best traction in the rear as opposed to the front. Because what happens is, if the poor traction is in the front, this calls what they call an understeer condition. You generally can control that, okay, if you have the lesser grade tires in the front position. But if you put the lesser grade tires in the back position, you have what they call an oversteer condition, okay? And it takes more skill to handle a car in an oversteer condition, as we all know, living in the part of the country where we have snow, okay? Especially with a front-wheel drive car, okay? They're... they're they're wildly, almost uncontrollable, not uncontrollable, but they're very difficult unless you're very well trained. So the technical aspect is if you only want to get a pair of tires, which we don't typically advise, but sometimes the situation calls for it. If you only want to get a pair of tires, the new ones go in the rear and the, and the, the better of the four go in the front. And then you let the fronts wear out and then you flip that around. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we learned that probably 14, 15 years ago, and we were not doing it correctly, and we mm -hmm. flipped, our, flipped our procedures. So, uh, next one, tire repairs. Always an interesting uh, aspect. We get a lot of uh, tires that come in. So, there's, there's three types of repairs. Repairs with plugs. There's repairs with patches. And then there are repairs with what they call a patch, speed-rated plug patch is what it is. It's a combination of the two. Those are the perfect world doing a plug patch. Okay. Plugs are a temporary fix, period. Um, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and all you have is a plug kit, by all means do it. But once you get back in, repair it with either a patch or a patch plug, speed rated patch. Um, we see a lot of plugs that leak, if that tells you anything. Um, They're not speed rated. So you got to be really careful about plugs that um, manufacturers, there are no tire manufacturers around that will back up 
putting plugs in their tires. They absolutely say, and every manufacturer out there says, do not put plugs in our tires, period, to correct them. So, Which makes sense. Absolute sense. Because a plug, obviously, you put in from the outside, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the pressure is on the inside. Correct. So it's pushing against it. So Correct. it's possibly going to be pulling out. Correct. Whereas a patch. You're from you're, the inside. You're going to talk about that. Yeah. Patches from the inside and a speed rated plug patch is actually also from the inside. There's a tool that pulls the, the plug part of the patch through and you snip that. And what it does, is it keeps, it helps keep the moisture out of the steel cords of the, of the tire. And that's the whole point of it. That's why they want to do it. Plus it, mm. it fills in quote unquote, I'm doing quote unquote in my my fingers it fills in that area that the the nail or screw or whatever you know object went in that tire to make the leak cat whiskers yes cat whiskers exactly so um it's always good if somebody's charging you 10 bucks to repair a tire you might ask them what they're doing because a you know according to the specs on a website that that i read a good tire repair should take 25 to 30 minutes and cost around 30 dollars a proper tire repair so if somebody's doing it for 10 bucks it's all fine and dandy but it's a plug likely it's a plug so to do a patch, you have to take the tire off the wheel. Yes. Put the patch on. Yes. Seal it and all that. And then yes. reassemble it. Yes. That is correct. So that's why it takes a half hour. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that answer all the questions about repairing tires. Okay. Got a couple more. Um, one is on tire aging. That's been pretty hot, hot topic the last five to 10 years in the tire world. Interestingly, when the tires first came out, the bias ply tires would last about 20,000 miles. 20,000. 20,000. That was good. That was really good to get 20,000. Then they went to radio ply tires. They lasted up to about 40,000 miles. I remember that as a kid. Um, so now tires last anywhere from 60 to 80,000 miles um, just because of the quality construction of the tires. Um, but age-wise, the, the recommendation, what I found all over the world, is 5 to 10 years on tires. Okay, and we go back to that original number we talked about with those last four digits of your DOT tells them when it was manufactured, what month or what week, and what year. Um, you, you, you definitely want to pay attention to that, uh, especially if you're buying. And there are some closeout type tires. Um, typically, the closeout tires are because of age um, and because the, the, the demand on those tires is going down. So so this could come into play for some, say, an older retired person that just never drives very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 10 years, they might only drive mm-hmm. 30,000 miles. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I'm sure the car is in very good shape, but you, all, you also want to look at the tires. What we look for is... Um, uh, is a, uh, like a dry rotting condition. They will start dry rotting over time, but all these factors play into it. You know, I, I think one of them was, uh, sunlight, how much sunlight the tires are exposed to huge factor into how long tires will last. Coastal climate has to do with how long tires are going to last. Um, whether or not the storage is good. Was it in a garage that it set outside all, all the time? So there's really no real calculated way to determine, um, how long a tire should last in a quality state. So again, uh, for listeners that might be listening to this in, in sunny climates, such as Florida, mm-hmm. Arizona, Texas, California, um, many times people in those situations say, I don't need a garage because it's, it's warm here all the time. Why do I need a garage? Sun's your biggest enemy. <laughs> I always tell people that sun, it's not necessarily um, um, any other factors like rain or snow and stuff like that. It's the sun that really beats the cars down, you know, wipers and all the rubber components on the car, um, you know, clear coat is out there and it helps protect the paint long-term, but um, it still has an effect on the interior and how well the interior wears. So, um, if, so if you can, so get it in the garage. Tires are part of that discussion then. Yes, so, tires so are definitely part of that discussion. 
discussion. So, um, but one of the biggest factors in making tires last long is the inflation, believe it or not, keeping inflated tires. Um, underinflated tires are generally, you almost have to see it on a diagram, but they, they wear the tires in a very incorrect way. They'll wear on the outside and not necessarily on the inside. So you get some really irregular tread patterns on them. Um, but you want to keep your tires inflated. Tires can lose up to one pound a month. So generally, if anybody wants to know that, um, good piece of information. So don't wait a year to check your tires. Okay. And is, does that vary by the weather? Uh, no. Super cold it's weather cold. versus super it's, hot weather. It's, you measure tires with um, uh, when they're cold. That's when you're supposed to measure the air, air uh, the, the PSI on the tire. So, cold, cold meaning not having been driven. That's correct. Yep. Ambient temperature, cold tires not having been driven. So, um, that's one way to look at it. So, okay. Does that answer that? Mm -hmm. And tires can go up to five to six pounds above when you've been driving them in hot conditions. Mm -hmm. So, if you got a tire that takes 35 pounds, you could see it have 40 or 41 pounds in it. So, okay. Um, last but not least, tire warranties. Basically, we look at this as a, it's a, it's a strategical, uh, game plan out there for companies to set themselves apart from other companies. I myself personally don't believe in tire warranties, mileage warranties. Here's the reason. Because if I put a set of 80,000 miles tires on your car, you're probably going to get 80,000 miles out of them. But if I put them on my car and I'm a really aggressive driver, I could maybe get 30,000 miles out of them just from driving like a race car driver. Why is that fair to the manufacturer if Brett drives his car really aggressively and then turns the tires back into the company and says, Hey, I only got 30,000 miles out of these things. I did all my rotations, all this other stuff. And next thing you know, they're prorating tires and giving them back to you. But Greg drives his car really conservatively and gets 80,000 miles out of the tires. Um, a lot of the companies are coming out with what they call expected mileage on tires. You'll see 60, 70,000 miles on a lot of tires. And I, I think that's proper way to do it, but we sell both kinds of tires. So, um, so real briefly, yes. uh, I don't think you touched on that, but the way you drive, you just touched on it, the way you drive does affect your tire life. So just Absolutely. make that point. So if you're a really aggressive driver and you want to come spend a lot of money, come to Beachlers. But if you want to drive conservatively and, you know, make your dollar last longer. So speed, braking, all everything, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Everything affects it. You know, I've, I've said this before, but tires in theory will last forever if you don't brake, turn, or accelerate. <laughs> so anyway. Or, and keep them in the garage. Yes. So that answers all the questions on tires. Any right. other? No, that's good. Good. Uh, we And we have, believe it or not, taken up another half hour. Amazingly. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on The Car Guy at PureLife.com with Brett Beachler. And we'll see you next time. PureLife.com.